Okay, cool. So, um, assuming that you are in the room that you think you're in, uh, this this is a, a little uh, time we're going to share together um, around the theme of Vineyard Kids and what having an all-age worship community looks like. Um, I love a lot of what Dan was saying this morning, and uh, I, I'm not going to be able to quote much of it back verbatim, but um, sometimes... Uh, I love what you were saying about calling, and how calling is a best used as a verb rather than as a noun. So honestly, uh, I wouldn't say that we're the people that have been like called noun to to kid stuff in the vineyard necessarily. But um, that kind of I love what Dan's really expressive, right? I love what he does with his hands and that kind of Holy Spirit, like, come on. Come over here, just come and do some stuff over here. It kind of feels like God's been doing that with, with us. Um, and it feels like He's doing it within our movement, saying, okay, it's, there's time that it's time for, for something to happen with our uh, with all the generations within our family. So that's why we're sat up here at the front. We, we haven't been doing it for 35 years. We're not um, we're not experts. There's lots of things we're still trialling, lots of things that we're getting right, loads of things we're getting wrong, I'm certain. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to share some thoughts with you, uh, share some of the heart behind what we feel God is saying to us as a movement right now about um, our children, uh, but within the context of yeah, yeah, thanks, uh, but within the context of having a, a worshiping family that includes people. They're six months old and who are 99 years old or, or whatever the boundaries of age are nowadays. So let's start by praying. <coughs> then we're just going to give a real short intro of ourselves, set the scene, read a bit from the Bible, and then tell you a few stories. And then I, I think we're going to try a few bits as well and get you guys talking. I don't just want to talk to you for an hour. Um, so, so yeah, let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. room in whatever connection or respect to um, people of all ages in the family, whatever we do or whoever we are, we just um, we sit at your feet as your children. And, um, we just come and say we love you and we need you and we want what you want for us. So yeah, we lay down our ideas and our agendas and our sheets of paper we printed what to talk about and then yeah we put ourselves in your hands and thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us thank you thank you to, for your goodness to us when we were children and thank you for the redemptive work you've been doing in us ever since Now, Holy Spirit stirring a few things in people's hearts, um, memories and uh, dreams, things you want to hold on to, things you want to let go of. Just um, 
come and ready move, just pop your hands out in front of you, open, just in a place where you can allow God to take away what he needs to take away and give what he needs to give. Would you just be kind enough for God to come and give us, give us the gifts of heaven? Spirit's going to be going around like with a highlighter pen and different parts of what we say or talk about will be highlighted for different people and um, yeah not just don't get too caught up on hearing like every single word or taking in everything but just to let the Holy Spirit highlight what he's saying to you and which part is for you to take away Amen So let's uh Let's give you a short idea of who we are. My name's Joff, not Jeff, not Josh, not Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Don't, don't even know me. Um, my name's Joff, um, and I'm from near London. Uh, lived in Birmingham for a while, which is where I met Jesus properly and gave my life to Him. Went to my first vineyard church with some amazing people, um, and lived with a family called the Hemmings, Nigel and Joe Hemming. Um, if you don't know them, Nigel's here with a couple of his kids this weekend, and he uh, has been instrumental in, um, literally. <laughs> literally, yeah, nice, I'm always going to talk about it, it's good, it's I mean, he's, particularly Nigel, has, has been really uh, key in driving forward what um, kids' worship looks like in, in the vineyard, uh, that's resulted, resulted in a series of album, albums called Great Big God, but there's a lot more that has happened behind the scenes than just a few recordings. Um, and he has done an absolutely sterling job of championing the cause of children in our movement. I don't think it's a mistake that I lived with them. Um, and just to give you a short idea of my heart and who I am, uh, when I was a kid and people said, what do you want to be when you're older? Uh, my answer was, I want to be a dad. Um, and also a rally driver, but, uh, <laughs> um, but genuinely it's something that I feel like God put in me since I was born, um, a desire to father things and people and, and our children, um, physically, but uh, other, other things as well. Um, so that's who I am, uh, uh, I don't know what else to tell you about me. Anyone? Yeah? Oh, okay. Sorry, yes, we planted a church um, along with another couple who are amazing uh, in this, this town that we love and live in called Tiverton. We were living there already but commuting to church elsewhere and uh, we lived there because it was cheap and that's the only reason. And then, we fell in, and then we fell in love with the town and the people that lived there and then and a, a church was born as a result. Um, so we're five years old as a church now. We are officially a church, I think, now. Um, not a church plant. Uh, so we're around... Um, we're around kind of like a hundred, maybe, maybe slightly less each week. Um, that figure includes the children. Just about to say, not or often when churches quote numbers, it's without kids. Uh, don't know why. Um, and ever since we started our church, there's been almost exactly a 50-50 ratio between adults and children. So when we started, it was four adults, and at the time, three kids or two. I can't quite been a bit of a blur, um, but we, uh, we now have three kids, John and Jude have three kids, um, and, and as families have joined us, um, we have some families with many, many children, uh, which probably helps that ratio, but, um, but yeah. We, I think it's 60-40. It, 
Right. 60% of the it's a little more adults at the moment. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that's that's uh, that doesn't happen always. It's not quite unique, but it's definitely a bit different. And, um, and we'll tell you a little bit of our story in terms of why we think that's important for our church a little later. Um, that's me, I'm Joff. It's lovely to meet all of you. Hi, I'm Jodie, and um, I was actually just thinking a minute ago, because I'm going to say, oh, I started reading, oh, like singing in worship, and learning about worship when I was 13, but actually that's when my parents let me sort of start singing with them, but um, I was remembering before then my earliest memory of worship was before the vineyard, and it was in a little village church, and I, I guess it was like five and I remember watching my cousin, who was ten, which seemed so old, and she had her arms up in the air, and she was worshipping, and I was like, she's like, isn't she embarrassed? Or I was just thinking, what, what's she doing? And she seemed really passionate. And then I remember, like, when I was about seven, watching this woman who was, um, she was always really funny and, like, a real laugh. I thought, she's great. But then she turned really serious in worship, and she was, like, doing the overhead projectors, and she was, like, really passionate. And I was like, what's happened to her? Like, <laughs> why is she being like that? So I was just kind of remembering those first thoughts of like, what's happening to people when they're worshipping? And, um, and because my parents were worship leaders, I was kind of dragged from conference to conference through the whole of my childhood. And I think I just watched people worshipping for a long time before finally kind of God got me. But um, So yeah, that was my experience as a kid, just kind of watching adults and thinking, something's going on, but I can't really see what it is. Um, yeah, so then by the time I sort of had my own faith and stuff, I was, I, it's probably quite unusual, maybe not now, but yeah, from about 13 I was allowed to sing in the proper band and um, started like leading worship and got involved in great with God and um, so that was with Nige as well, having and songwriting and um, I think I was very lucky in that I was never sort of treated differently for being young or anything and so that, that was a great start for me, for now. And at the moment, I'm the um, kids pastor at our church. And several times I sort of thought, oh, well, I'll stop doing worship now because I want to focus on this. But I think it's no coincidence I'm seeing in this season that God has us with one foot in each camp. And um, so, yeah, this is kind of what we're exploring now. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, and we have three kids. Uh, they're 10, 8, and 4. Um I don't even imagine you want to know, but I'm going to say their names because I miss them. Uh, so Darcy's ten, Noah is eight, and Safety is four. And they're amazing children. They're um, they're inspirational and challenging and wonderful. Uh, and in the same way that we probably show them elements of God's heart, they show us elements of God's heart as well. Um, they're very precious children. So yeah, don't make me cry. Um, so let's set the scene a little in terms of the vineyard story. So, um, some of you, or hopefully many of you, will recognise the name John Wimber. John Wimber was um, essentially the founder, or the sort of figurehead at the beginning of, of the vineyard, um, over in a little part of Southern California. And um, the only reason for mentioning him is really just to say that um, uh, at the time at which the vineyard was kind of the fast growth movement in the world, really, uh, when it seemed to be... Um, the part of the church that God was using to really release things on a global scale, particularly worship. Um, as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, people's hankering for the stage and the limelight was at a real, a real um, height. Um, There's lots of people that wanted some of that. And um, as a result, he was pretty brutal with kind of his approach to who he released into ministry. 
um, in a good way, in a protective way. Uh, and, and one of the ways that he would communicate um, part of what it means to be an emotionally healthy leader or, or minister um, within the church is that our, our primary calling and responsibility is to God and his kingdom. But the next the next tier down isn't your ministry that you run. The, your primary ministry that sits underneath your answering to God is your family. And for, sometimes that includes having children, but even when it doesn't, it's never um, giving so much of yourself to your ministry that it's to the detriment of your family. Um, and that was like right at the beginning of this thing that we love and that we're part of. That was key to the value system of what it means to minister in the vineyard. Uh, some people have done that amazingly, other people have probably struggled with that. Uh, certainly at times I've struggled with that actually. But um, you know, with life's busyness and with all the plates we end up spinning, it, it's a constant, it's not even two scales, it's like a scale that has lots of different things and it's like all it takes is a teeny bit of weight on one part of it and suddenly all the rest of it goes out of whack. So it's a constant uh, I loved. I love that Dan did a, a corporate um, uh, experiment of that thing called the daily examine this morning. That's a really great way of becoming aware of where things are imbalanced within you. Uh, we've we've somewhat taken parts of that, um, Sue and I, uh, and tried some of it with our children, and we're going to be talking about that a little later. Um, anyway, so right, I'm, I'm an external thinker. Time to shut up when I start rabbiting on. So right at the beginning of our story, family was put right at the top of uh, the priority list of who we look after when we minister in the kingdom, um, which I thought was a good place for us to start. Yeah, and then another, um, so we were just hitting two points of like a bit of our history of the vineyard. So that was what, the 70s? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I just wanted to share about um, one of the people who's come before us and one of the things that like... Um, just, I guess, like our heritage. Um, well, it's not come before, because she's she's here now writing amazing songs. So uh, you might have heard of Cindy Rethmeyer. She's a uh, worship leader and songwriter, and she wrote Key Rayleigh's song with um, another guy. And um, she wrote Exalt the Lord, and she's like a, a great songwriter mm-hmm. and worship leader. But she was around in those early days of the vineyard. And, um, and she was placed in children's worship. And um, I remember her talking about that she came to this conference like 10 years ago. Uh, was it about 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, more. And, and she was talking about that and how people can often think like, oh, kids is just like the practice version or like mini version or whatever. But that she really saw that God had said, this is where I'm calling you right now. But again, that calling thing, I'm calling you here right now to do this. And um, in that time, she really planted herself in that and wrote this, well, she wrote more than an album of songs, but there is this classic children's album that she wrote that my children still love and listen to, and it's got songs like, um, Jesus is a friend of mine, anyone know that one? Yeah, and loads of those classic ones, Um, so that was the vineyard, and just early on, then prioritising and taking a really talented worship leader and, um, and songwriter and and not just thinking, oh, well, we'll just put anyone in with the kids, but going, this is important, and, and valuing that. So um, that's come before us, and that's what we want to hold on to and keep choosing to do. And um, what gave me so much joy was um, in j- last July, we went over to the uh, the U.S. Leaders, Vineyard Leaders Conference thing, and everyone from America come, like all the pastors fly in to Anaheim, 
and um, they had an amazing kids program and our kids went into that. And um, our little three-year-old at the time, they had this little preschool, they had, you know, this whole everyday sessions, but they'd have a worship time and Cindy came in and led worship every morning with them and I love how it was like, she still sees the importance of that and it's it's it's, it's still there. It, it's just, it's showing people, it's not just saying it, but it's really valuing those children and giving them our best and not just second best or practice. So, yeah, that's just a great place we've come from and that we want to choose to keep doing that, giving our kids so we, we might hit this a bit a bit harder later, but if we don't, here's a little soundbite for you, which basically sums up the end of what Jodie was saying there, which is um, God doesn't desire for our kids to get the crumbs from the table. Uh, he wants to give them a place at the table. So um, we'll explore, I think, and I hope what that looks like, but just as a statement in terms of something you can take away and remember and think about what that looks like for you. Um, yeah. I don't need to repeat it because I said it once already. Um, I'd love three people to be brave. Uh, if you have a, a Bible or, or a phone with a Bible, could I just have three people to... I'd love to hear some different voices than ours. So if someone could look up Matthew 18, verses 1 to 5. Uh, if another person could look up Matthew 21, verse 16. And... If a third friend could look up Mark 10, <coughs> verses 13 to 16. And uh, unless we change our mind at the moment, we're not going to say anything about these. We just want to hear God's word about times, uh, in particular, where Jesus talks or, about or met with children. Yeah, all of these are just straight from the mouth of Jesus, aren't they? The Jesus words. 21 16. So, uh, whoever got to Matthew 18, 1 to 5 first, give it a give it a while. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Carry on. That's perfect, thank you. So precious. Um, Mark, Mark 10, 13-16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Do, do not hinder them. Matthew twenty one sixteen. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught the children and infants to give you praise. I'm just going to read a slightly different version of that, only because it, um, it poses a question which I really love. So, uh, I actually don't know what version this is that I've got, but um, whatever the one is, I've pasted off the internet. Uh, 
It starts with the question, do you hear what these children are saying? They were singing, um, were they shouting Hosanna? Mm. Mm. But, um, just think of that some context. It's like sometimes someone used to go, hmm? Yeah. Look over here. Listen over here. See what's going on? Mm. Um, that's something we've, that's, part, that's been part of our, our journey, which we're going to be telling you about a, a little later. Thank you for, for all of you read. That's great. Um, so those, those are some examples just something to set the scene in terms of some of the times Jesus uh, met with kids or used kids to portray a picture but I think sometimes um, Jesus was so clever and so poetic and sometimes that means that we take things too poetically when he speaks and sometimes he's saying something actually like literally and I think the, the one where a kid, he, he called a kid to come and sit at his feet and said, well, if you're like this, then, then yeah, he goes on to make it more particular. It's like this particular kid, slowly positioned, with humility sat at my feet. Look at that. Like, that's something. Anyway, I said I wasn't going to expand on these, so let's not do that. Let's, let's tell you a little bit about ourselves, um, about our church. Um, so we, we planted um, five years ago... Um, we went to something called Church Planting School uh, in Leicester, and that was fun. And we had to, overnight, come up with a vision for our church. That was our homework. Um, so Jodie and I and, and John, one half of the couple that we planted with, uh, went and tried to do that, and that was fun. And actually, pretty much, I think, our vision has... It, it's definitely been similar to that. It, it tweaked here and there. But, um, but there's an awful lot of uh, discussion at the beginning at the time we were go- going to the NLC each year which we haven't done for a while um, but we were going as a four and then increasingly as, as people joined us um, we just started taking them along uh, and without fail every year you know there'd be a ministry time or a hey you know if this is on your heart come and get prayer or whatever um, or just general like hey stand up let's pray and without fail we, had, we said some people brothers and sisters from churches we'd never even heard of, let alone met them personally before, coming up to us and praying for us. And it was pictures of you know, a warehouse full of nappies. Um, you know, a warehouse bigger than you can imagine, like farther than you can see, full of nappies um, to go and give to kids that don't have them. Um, or, uh, I mean, that, there's, there's quite a few words I could, I could recall that would take up too much time. But essentially, there was, prophetically, there was lots of things spoken over us as a, as a little baby, baby church who just met in someone's kitchen two Sundays a month initially, I think, wasn't it? I can't remember. Um, coffee and croissants was like, that was the thing. That was our church. We had like seven people. and, and uh, um, But we were getting these grand, inspiring pictures about um, how children were going to be central to the, uh, the growth, the strategy, um, the journey, the health, um, the outreach arm of our church, um, our outworking of justice and compassion, uh, you know, really particular words that were just like everything we'd ever wanted, but at the same time, something we couldn't imagine, because it was seven of us in the kitchen a few times a month, you know. Um, but nevertheless, it felt like God was talking, so we kind of dropped them down, put them in the back of a notebook, and came back to them every now and then. 
all the while trying to work out what this church planting thing was about. Um, and during that time, uh, a vision emerged, which Jody's going to talk you through in a sec, uh, as well as, in fact, you crack on dirt now, as well as sort of sharing a bit of a dream that you'd had um, a little while later. Yeah, so we're just really quickly covering this, and then we're going to get to practical things that we've been trying, just in case you think we're just talking about our church, because that might not be very <laughs> helpful for you. But um, yeah, so our church vision is um, to see Tiverton and Beyond thrive by showing that Jesus Christ is real and relevant. And then we've got like this little mini motto um, to sum it up, which is being family, loving God, celebrating life. And um, every time I'm asked to like go up to the front and share something about the kids or what we've been doing, I think, oh, I should come up with my own little mini mission, like my own vision for the children. Um, and we do have a little thing of like roots to grow, wings to fly, but like the, the long statement. And um, every time I'm like, come on, God, what is it? And he's like, why, why are you, you looking for something different? Like, they're part of this. And their vision is to see Tiverton and Beyond thrive by showing that Jesus Christ is real and relevant. And um, we just really feel that kind of like we are a family. And I know that there are times, of course, different ages need different things and they learn different ways and they make, maybe form friendships differently. But, um, but you know, our, our family, like our literally our family unit, has the same identity as each other. You know, we are a family, and so I think God's kind of called me on that. He's like, don't change it. That's their vision as well. And, um, oh, yeah, so hmm, just before before I was doing, I, at the time we were worship pastors, and it's before I was, I was teaching kids, but not the kids' pastor, and... Just one one Sunday, God just totally, it was a really powerful Sunday, you know, kind of like our worship times have been here, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was really there, and I just saw this picture um, of our church, as in the people, not the building, but we were, like, walking down the hill into our town, but we were walking in, like, um, military formation, not that I know that much about it, but kind of um, the old centurion, kind of, you know, the blocks, is that right, the game blocks? And the children were the first block, and they were leading the way, and they were also, it was like two-thirds of the size of the church were the children, and they were leading the way, and we were marching down. And um, God just totally, just kind of broke my heart in a good way for them, and I just felt like they were going to break new ground where the adults couldn't get before the children had sort of made a way. Um, and it was also marching down through this estate, and I just felt like um, they were going to take us places that we couldn't get without them. And um, that's still, that, we haven't seen that yet, really. Um, so that's the journey we're on right now in lots of different ways. But um, yeah. And this, just an observation to share with you guys that might be helpful if you haven't already noticed the same thing. So the kids are really disarming. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you can imagine a battleground, one of the things that would be pretty hard to do would be to disarm them. Yeah. So uh, it kind of makes sense that kids are, would be a fundamental strategical part of how God's kingdom would be advanced. Um, with you know, safety in mind and looking after them and all that stuff, but you know, it's not this, uh, hey, just have a bit of fun to you 12 and then start a relationship with Jesus, you know? Um, it's got to be more than that. Can I just chip in on that? Yeah, um, that just reminded me um, of something that our pastors say like every week. You know, and, and I love that they keep saying it because it really drills it in. 
when the children go out to their, um, after, so they, they stay in for worship at our church. So after worship, they go out for separate teaching, and they always pray for them, you know, just bless them out, and say, um, at Tutan Vinyard Church, we believe, <laughs> so many times, but I love it, that the children are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today, and they're here right now. And um, for me, that sounds really simple, but I don't know if you guys have heard that much. And um, it's so easy, and people say it all the time, they're the next generation. It's like, maybe they're this generation, they're here, they're right here. <laughs> and uh, they don't have a lot of the barriers that we've sort of learned over the years. Um, and I think we have a lot to learn from them as well. I do. And uh, certainly for us, uh, just the last couple of points before we get some... Uh, some more interesting things. Um, <clears throat> we've had children as we church planted, uh, and I'm convinced that it's one of the few times that God has given us full permission to be entirely selfish, um, because we want, uh, we've wanted for our children the best that we can give. At the, at the same time as we're building a church, or uh, building God's church with them, partnering with them. So that's made us make decisions differently because we, we physically have the children that are that age, us and, and the, the lead pastors. Totally selfish, and I'm convinced it's a godly selfishness. I'm happy with that. Um, but it's, it's meant that we have, you know, we've had tough leadership meetings where we've sat and we've like, battled hard for things because we care for our kids, and they're our kids. But then what we found is that like, God's been starting to give us that heart for other people's kids. Um, so that maybe just adds a bit of context in terms of some of the passion and the, the heart behind what we do. It's kind of selfish just because it's our children. It matters. And, um, and I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe God would have done that if, if it wasn't our, our children. I don't know. That's as much just an honest, transparent admission to some of the, some of the motivation and drive behind what, we, what we're doing. And uh, yeah. That's cool, let's leave it there. So, let's... Um... Can I add something? You don't need to ask my opinion. I know, but if I just start talking, then that'll be disruptive. You go um, Yeah, I can't remember if we've already written it in here, but um, I think God would have done it anyway, because um, I was just we were talking about this earlier, we were remembering a few NLCs ago, the National Leaders Conference. Um, Katie, does anyone know her surname? Mm-hmm. Um, Causeway... She heads up with the children. I do know her surname and I'm having a moment. I just (coughs) heard one watch the live feed or if they were there or maybe not and you've never been to the National Leaders Conference but she came and stood up and gave everyone like the most difficult (laughs) like challenging it was just she was telling her story um, of how she got involved in the kids ministry and um, she what is it? Is it gorgeous? Oh, that's because her name is different now, isn't it? Because she got married. Yeah, so I was thinking of the other name. And, um, and she's, there were a few lines that I think <coughs> stuck with every pastor that was there, and everyone was just on the floor weeping <laughs> and repenting, I think, of um, underestimating the children. And she'd said things like, she'd thought, oh, if I help out with the kids, then I would have missed church. And God said, well, if you miss church, then all the children miss church as well. And there were lots of things like that, and certain lines that were just sort of hitting everyone. But I feel generally like that, that God's kind of 
moving and he's doing something and sometimes he thinks we're really quick. So it was about five years ago. But it did send a change through the vineyard, I think, and it kind of shook everyone awake to hold on a minute. There are these people that maybe we're not giving our best to and God has stuff for now. And um, and it changed the language. Everybody was forbidden for calling it children's work or kids' work, and now it's kids' Some ministry. Still working on that with people. Yeah, right. it, I'm still working on that as well. That's the work. <laughs> um, I've never heard someone say, "Oh, I really feel called to, uh, to join the worship, worship work." work. <laughs> it's like, yeah. the worship ministry. Yeah, you know, and um, the thing is, it isn't meant. To, it isn't meant in a harmful way, but. But language does matter and it is important if you're going to choose to call it something. But it's things like that. The fact that that's a thing now that most people know, whoops, I didn't mean to say work, or as before it was normal. So there's like this change sweeping through and um, we can just feel like God turning up the heat and um, and some of this has been like the children have approached us and we're like, okay, God's kind of ahead of this. <laughs> we're kind of catching up. So you're, are you saying more about that or... Well, that's all that written in. Uh, yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, Sorry if I kind of went off piece there. Let's, let's just put a little break in there. I feel like we've been talking for a while. So, um, we're going to try a little something together. And uh, so, the daily examine, which Dan did with us this morning, uh, I was introduced to a year or so ago. Uh, found it really revolutionary for me, actually. I've, um, I'm, a, I'm a fiddler, you've probably seen, I'm like tapping, and I'm an active thinker. and uh, you know, sitting silently with, with Jesus has been something I've always found difficult. So um, it was just a tool that I found helpful. It's the first thing I ever found that enabled me to to spend some time really um, um, in stillness and quiet with Jesus. And, and I mean, Jodie, I'm sure, will agree, like, there was a two, three-month period at least where it was kind of like the only thing I was holding on to. It, it became like a lifeline for me, really. Um, finding a place of peace with Jesus and um, I was so impacted by that I was like our, our kids need to learn this like I'm having to unlearn all of the busyness and the hecticness that is, I've been spending time learning um, but you know our kids don't have always have that from day one mm-hmm. so um, I had felt this desire to teach them or help them with give them some tools and some ideas of how they might find a place of peace with Jesus that they, they could go to. Um, so, something that, so this is Sue, if you haven't met her. Hi. Sue's amazing. Um, she's been incredibly brave and gone against some, uh, I think, some difficult past experiences with um, his ministry to get stuck back in. Um, me and Sue served together, um, uh, yeah, kind of overseeing one of, one of those, those groups um, once a month. And... Um, and we've tried this with them, and pretty much with pretty cool results, I think. The odd, the odd moment here and there. If some kids just like <coughs> Go for it, man. Yeah. I do love it, first. <laughs> right, go for it. Yeah, um, the really surprising thing is you think, oh, kids, everyone's like, kids want to like run around and stuff. Um, but it turns out they quite like being peaceful as well, which really surprised us, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, what we do, and it's... I'm calling it an ad- adapted examine, but it isn't. It's just something I made up. But it, it's because it came up. It came from that. So if you've got a, a pen and pad um, or a phone that you can make notes on, um, that would be great. Uh, and and this, this is as much actually about giving uh, our, the kids at our church some tools to learn about hearing from God. 
and understanding his voice and how he speaks to them. Um, but also starting sort of with a little bit at the end of giving them some tools of how they might capture that and talk back to him. Um, so it's just an idea, one of thousands of ideas, many of which you have already had and we haven't. Um, but it's just it could just be another little something. It's going to take us about five minutes, uh, maybe a bit less. And what we're going to do, they they uh, they called they came up with the name for it, which is Sleeping Christians. Um, it's, it's quite like Sleeping Lions, but, uh, but they're they're Christians, so they called it Sleeping Christians. Um, I don't I don't reckon we'll lie down because there probably isn't room, and that'll take too long. So we're just going to do sat down. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to spend one minute in silence, in God's presence. That's what we're going to do. And then, at the end of that minute, there are some of you who are going to have felt God speaking to you, or um, you would have become aware of an emotion, or a prayer, um, or a desire, um, or a state, tiredness, or exhaustion, or frustration. Um, And what I'm going to encourage you to do is, whatever that looks like, be it a word or a physical picture you can draw, or, or just a, a few bullet points, or, or, or even a written prayer. I'm just going to ask you to, to write that down and capture it somehow. Um, so normally there would be like a table with pens and paper, so they have the minute of silence, and then those who have a picture go and they so can go to the table. I'll explain how we do it just after, but let's try it, let's try it for ourselves first, and then we'll talk about how we use it with, with our kids. So... Um, so yeah, cool. So actually, I'm not. Yeah, I don't need to play the top. Let's um, let's just be silent. a minute. So if, if anything came into your mind, we can spend an extra minute jotting that down, if you haven't already. Um, and then if there's anyone feeling brave, what tends to happen is God has been saying a few different things, and there's often a couple of people who have had something connected, so maybe we'll just have a short time of sharing just to see what God's been saying. But just while you're doing that, let me just tell you a little more about what we do with our 
our kids. So, um, like Jodie said, we, we have kids with sort of um, uh, diagnosed um, conditions that involve sort of high energy and ADHD and um, a variety of different uh, diagnoses and health conditions and all sorts. Um, and the first time, like Sue and I had started this kind of when we were doing our thing once a month with them, we basically used it as a time for worship training. That's what we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. Um, we start, we sort of stumbled into this thing, and it just these kids, like 20, 25 kids, just laid out on the floor, silent, eyes closed, in God's presence. That that isn't even what I wanted to happen. I, I was just trying to get them to stay still for a minute, so they they could in some way still themselves and kind of try and meet with Jesus but like 25 kids just lying down in God's presence kids who normally are like kick and trying to kick windows in and so what sort of age group is so, so the, the whole primary this is a primary age up to 4 to 11 yeah so it's quite a, quite a broad range yeah um, and the very first time we did it it was just it was um Mind blowing. Yes. We like, thought it was a coincidence, didn't we? So we tried it again the next time. It was arresting. It, like it took my breath away. I was just like, yeah. Oh wow, okay. Uh, and it's what Jodie said. Like these kids wanted a place of stillness in their lives, mm. and we didn't realise that. So we just started leaning into it a bit more. And it isn't that really. It isn't that it's got any more profound than that. It's just that we're giving them a space once a month where they can come and find a place of peace with Jesus. That's it. Um, now out of that there's been some cool stuff that's happened but we haven't adapted what we, we've done right it's literally the same every time it's been a couple of times that it hasn't gone quite smoothly but um, but yeah so just real quick uh, until until we get to 20 past two three minutes if anyone is feeling brave and don't worry this falls flat in the space but if anyone's feeling brave just, just share what we felt God saying to you yeah, I will I had a picture of the kids lying down like like they, when they lie on a bouncy castle, it's like they're all lying on a bouncy castle. And you know, if there's one kid bouncing on it, they're all just going like that. And I kind of felt that that was the ripples of the Holy Spirit, and they were giggling, and how much the Holy Spirit just loves to play with them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I got, um, <clears throat> I felt like there was someone here who's being told, who gets, who's thinking through it and thinking, maybe I need to leave this whole children's ministry thing um, and do something much more logical. But I was getting the clear message that that's a lie. You know, don't don't go that way. Uh, when you come back to um, what God is calling you to do, um, you, you'll see that it's obvious. This is... He doesn't want to leave it to leave this. I want to, he wants you to stay there. And um, I also got a picture about a rocket with that was fired up by wood. I don't understand that one, but maybe it will help someone. Fired up by wood rather than rocket fuel. So yeah. So so I had a, a picture which I think is similar to your first thing you said there, um, which was of. Uh, a sharp spade that was digging a hole and the soil was being like like you do when you dig the soil kind of gets rooted up and 
trapped or whatever. Um, and, and that was like a person, the, 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 I guess the whole was the person. That, um, and, and the sense was like, I'm, I'm just being churned up and it's painful and it's just like, um, yeah, it's really disruptive. And I just felt God's, God's word was like, I can't plant a seed without a hole. I need, I need to have a hole in the ground to put a seed there. Um, and I, th- I think that's sort of linked to the person I think. I had the word um, of the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, the truth, the light, uh, come through to me. And uh, I had a, p- a picture in my mind um, with the recent snow. Um, some, some of those local guys will have uh, seen that um, <coughs> the sign post up on Exmoor um, that was buried in snow, right up, literally right up over, almost over the top of the uh, uh, of the sign post. So you couldn't really discern what the way was. I just got a real sense that. That snow covering the signpost was kind of the uncertainties of life, the fears and the self-imposed limitations that sometimes we and also our kids kind of put upon themselves. This is the primary school and the teenagers. Obviously, my heart's with the teenagers because uh, uh, that's how old my kids are because I'm old. Um, and, um, and just a real sense that you guys, as you, um, as you do, uh, do your ministry, as you follow your path, um, follow the path that God gives you. You're, that snow being melted and blown away to reveal those, uh, reveal the way, um, so that the kids can follow the way, the truth, and the life. By the way, your daughter Anna, she lies down and does. Uh, she does sleeping Christians. Yeah, and she she helps out the teenager, but her yes. and Ella, they lie yeah. down. Cool. They, they, they properly join in. I love yeah. it. Yeah. One more, <laughs> one more, and then more. Got the song um, "Be Still for the Presence of the Lord," but the the line was "No work too hard." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so that is a, a mini demonstration, just so you can sense some of it. Um, there's more lying down involved, uh, and and um, as Jody says, we tend to have a, a set of tables at one end of the room, which has some paper and pens ready, and then there's a big space, sort of probably similar to this. Um, where and I, I, sometimes I play guitar just to kind of just to set an atmosphere, and then often I stop, but just to kind of transition us into that space. Cool. Um, and and some weeks it's like I say, some weeks it's mechanical. It's just like we did it. Cool. It's just doing the same things over and over again and reinforcing um, that spiritual discipline in, in our children of find a place of peace with Jesus, be still with Him. Um, but there's been some weeks where like, you walk around and you, you see, uh, sometimes because they're sat next to someone and they can't think of what to draw so they copy it, but, um, but, but you, know, you start to see people who haven't been copying each other and there's like common themes and I mean, there's one or two weeks in particular where it's like God's talking to us. As a room, like, God is here, he's talking to us. So just, just little signposts, not some big like crazy preach or, you know, just like, hey guys, this thing that we're doing was for a purpose and, and it's happened. God's been talking to us, what's he been saying? Well... He's been saying and get them to share and uh, and it's again it's fairly unemotional it's just kind of look you can do it you can hear from God but we're learning we're, we're getting that. Um, yeah. one one of the, one of the pictures one day one of the children had drawn was a bee and I it, it never crossed my mind that when Joff asked him it was an angry bee. Mm. Bees were angry and it was an express that was an emotion that he. Was, he was expressing 
but it, you know, some of the pictures that they draw and some of the, some of the themes that they come out with are just it speaks more to me than picking my Bible up sometimes because it really, really so then does so then we were able to say okay so are you feeling angry he's like yeah I am okay uh, is anyone else anyone else feeling angry it was like most of the room right that week. I can't really remember what it was, but... It was like 15 out of 20 kids, it was that many, it was like three quarters of the kids in the room like, I'm angry. Okay? God, would you, would you come and help us with, with our anger? Would you come and teach? And, and someone else had had a picture of water, and, and this, this kid, I'll come to you in a sec, this kid's like, uh, Zach, would feel like six, five? I can't remember. Zach, he's five. Five. And, and, and he was like, oh, well, the thing about water is if something's hot, you put water on it and then it isn't hot anymore. And being angry just feels like being hot, doesn't it? And he was like, yeah. So he was like, so he said, well, I had a picture of that water tonight, yeah? Well, maybe God wants to come and put water on our anger. He's like, huh. So we, <laughs> 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 so, so we prayed about it. Like, God, would you come and just put water on our anger? And it was like a sense of peace in the room. And again, not it wasn't like crazy like tears and whatever. It was, it's just like, oh, okay. God's talking, God's doing something. Um, anyway, take that and do with it what you will. Uh, it's an idea, it's something, even if you, you might have a, a far better way of doing it, and chuck me an email if you, if you do. I'd love to hear if you guys go away and, and, and start um, uh, do, doing some stuff. So that's just one, one thing we do. But, um, so I think this session is due to... No, Finish at uh, quarter two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you wanted to say something. I just wanted to ask really quickly two practical questions. Um, do you uh, do any kind of blankets or anything like that? Is there any kind of snutch you down? Um, and my second question was, do they write in books? Do you keep those books, or are they just writing in paper and then the paper goes in the bin? Like what? 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 Yeah. Both excellent questions. So uh, no. We don't have blankets and stuff. Okay, so it's literally just their mind. There, there are a couple of bean bags in the class that we, we meet in the school. Mm-hmm. There are some bean bags at the back, and occasionally um, one or two of, of the children will go and cut up on one of them or bring them over. Uh, and that's pretty much just some of them lie the tables and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's just carpet just lying on the floor. Um, and in terms, I'm oh, sorry, the second question was about. So, what do they write on and do you keep they, it? They started off with their own books. Yeah. Um, now they're on paper, but I'm actually thinking of going back to books because they can keep it filed. Um, but I did have <laughs> I had a text from someone yesterday. They've taken the their kids' paper home. It's on recycling, and um, it was outside. You know, you get so much stuff when you just you know. And um, she just kept praying. She's praying for something. I don't know what it is. And um, he was getting no answer from God, and it's just really frustrating. She's like, come on, God, just speak to me. She went out to put something in the recycling. And um, there it was. Her kid's word it said, be patient. <laughs> she took a picture of it and said, so, you know, if they had a book, then that wouldn't have happened. But, yeah. So if it's newspaper, um, they take it away with them? They take it back, yeah. And actually, yeah. one of the only pros of that is that we've been encouraging them to um, find a place in their bedroom or in their house okay. where nice. they, they can put it and rem- yeah. remind themselves. Particularly if it's something that they feel God said to them, that affirms their character or their... Um, their identity is something we kind of want them to have in a place where they can remember. Yeah, I mean, some of them might probably do end up getting recycled things, but um, I think it's good. It's just a regular thing. It's not like all that one time God spoke to me. It's like, it's right, we'll do it again. Do it every time. Keep going. Um, yeah. So, we're just going to chuck a couple of thoughts to you. If you're, if you're note-takers, that's cool, Um If you're note-takers, then these might be bits you might want to jot down. 
Um, there is much thoughts or practical ideas in terms of things we've tried or things we do, or uh, to some extent the reason behind what we do. So I reckon we're just going to crack through them. And any, any questions, any thoughts, just um, just just pipe up. So um, one of one of our observations is that we call church a family, um, but quite often uh, there's these separate experiences. So it's like, hey, adults go here, kids go there, right? Um, and if you think about, uh, I love what Jada Jade Rupitha and Dan said it this morning, which is word, words we use really matter. Um, so if you think, think about the word family, <coughs> a healthy, functioning family um, has spaces within it where all ages are welcome. But importantly, has spaces within, within it where it's appropriate for children to not be around, right? So be that the parents having friends of their own and doing dinner with them or parts of family life the kids shouldn't get involved with. Or like the parents shouldn't be at school. Right. Or whatever. So if we, if we then kind of um, uh, retake that analogy and put it over our churches as family, we believe it's really important to have both joint and separate experiences of God's presence. Um, we want our kids to experience God's presence stood next to us. We also want them to experience God's presence when they're not with us. Because in a few years' time, they're going to do their A-levels and they're going to crack on and go somewhere. And I don't want them to have to come and stand next to me to be able to experience God's presence. I want them to learn that for themselves now. But I don't want to lose the richness of us experiencing God's presence together. So, our first observation to share would be try and carve out places in your church expression where you have both joint experiences of God with all, all ages, the whole family, and places where you can um, experience God's presence separately in terms of age groups. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually. And um, the reason they need it, well, we, we actually worship to, at the moment, every Sunday we all worship together, all ages. But the reason that they need their time on their own, you know, we know the reasons why we need our time on our own to worship. Um, but the reason they do, actually, I think, is they can be more free without us there. Um, and I think my children are much more self-conscious with the adults at the moment um, than they are. And I don't want us to hold them back from that abandon. And, uh, but hopefully, if they can practice that and just learn that freedom, then when we have those joint times, they will introduce that in and lead us. This is the plan. <laughs> this is the plan. Um, yeah. Um, and to, to use a, an analogy which um, Nigel Hemming, I mentioned before, uh, I think came up with, or certainly we both heard it from him for the first time. Um, he talks about those joint experiences, those those joint environments where you are all together, and in, in terms, particularly in terms of worship, um, as being like a family meal. So the analogy is, if you go out for a meal with, if you have kids, if you go out for a meal with your kids. <coughs> you probably choose a different place than you would if you were going with your spouse, right? Um, because you value different things. You want a place where your kids can be noisy if they want to be, or where there's a little play park outside, or where it's easy to get to the toilets, or whatever. Um, so you value different things when you start factoring in different age groups, and it's like that in worship. But what that means is, you have to make a compromise, normally on the quality of the food, probably. Um, but that, that compromise as an adult is... is for the benefit of the children, yeah. But by but by choosing 
separate environments where it's right to. I, I, you know, I love whenever we can afford it to take Jodie out to a nicer place. That's something we enjoy doing. We love eating and we love sharing a meal together. That's totally right and that's totally fine. But if that's the only restaurant we ever go to and our kids aren't welcome there because they make a noise and everyone tuts at them and wishes they weren't there, you know, there, there are compromises involved here. And um, our spiritual experience is not more important than our children's spiritual experience. So we, we don't choose the five-star restaurant every week. That, that's not what we do. And then the same goes for the children, where um, if they went to McDonald's, let's say, they could run around and have a balloon, but if we're going out for a family meal, there's a level of them compromising as well. You know, they need to stay up at the table, mm-hmm. and there's a certain level of behaviour expected, so both of us are compromising to have that family meal out. That's what Nightemi talks about, which I love. It's the same, it is the same in a service. They can't just bounce off the walls and scream, but there is a certain level of, like, hey, people would like to hear... But yeah, but at the same time, we don't want to be really fussy adults who are like complaining that someone's dancing or something. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So we have a phrase in our church, which is, which is um, "free range kids." We've got free range kids in our church, and um, and actually, it's something we're we're now having to slightly address because it <laughs> <laughs> they they got very free range. They got but, too um, free range. <laughs> Chicken, chickens can be too healthy. Better too um, caged, though, hey? Yeah, but but no, uh, seriously, it's a phrase we use intentionally for a while because uh, quite often, particularly in like a really tender moment in worship, for example, and suddenly you've got some kid doing some crazy stuff somewhere. Just just that being language for us to say from the front, guys, we've got free range kids. It's fine. The Holy Spirit isn't being disrupted right now. Like just just push for it. It's fine. Just don't, don't worry. It's totally cool. And just having language for that as, as a as a family. And it's something we've already tried to, as best we can, communicate. Um, can I ask a question about the please. songs that you sing as mm. well, in the terms of the mix of children's songs and you know, what are termed adult songs or that way around? That segues perfectly into my next point. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say something slightly controversial. There is no such thing as a kid's song. When did that become a thing? I don't know. Maybe... Great Big God captured some songs which children loved. I don't think there's a kid's song. Do you not worship when you, as an adult, when you sing those songs? Maybe, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, I think there are some adults who've done. Right. <laughs> all, all the other way around, though, you know, the the adult song, adult songs. Yeah. That that's what we sing with the kids at the moment. In the kids' group, so, they they love like Set a Fire. What else do they love? Um, they love great is our Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. That one, the brush. No, it's one that when you were doing calling, when you were teaching them. Right. So we started throwing phrases out and getting them to pray. Was it isn't it? Uh, we did that. We did yeah. isn't it yeah. at Christmas, didn't we? Really blessed to be um, that one that Mark led the other uh, last night. Uh, blessed to be the name of the Lord. The old because, because they're in with us, in the, we're all in together. There's no point sort of teaching them separate songs. So, so we just teach them the normal. An accurate answer to your question is that we have a songbook as a church. We have, we have well, it's not a physical book, but we've got 40, 50 songs that we tend to, to draw from. That songbook, um, for the most part, one of the criteria for picking those songs is are these songs which our kids can sing? So we don't have 40 adult songs and 10 kids' songs, we have 50 songs. Yeah. But we try to pick ones that we believe our kids, they are accessible. 
and simple enough that our kids could grasp them. And there's some that are, I mean, All Things Rise that we sung last night, an amazing song, but so theologically rich and lyrically full. I don't expect my I, I barely understand half of what it means, really. <laughs> if I'm honest, I don't expect my kids to understand what all that means. Um, and, and we sing that song, we love that song. Um, so there are exceptions, but, but typically our songbook is, is picked with the whole family in mind. Yeah. My four-year-old can sing that we're no longer slaves. Right. And always asked for saved. Right. To be in the playlist that like. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. About what you're saying, you're saying about actually, as adults, you will worship while you're leading kids in worship, and and I'm quite kind of intrigued because I've never thought of it like that before. Um, I mean, I, I play drums in the worship band sometimes for the adults, and I I do think of that as as worship, but um, also lead kids and sing great big God and nursery rhymes and kids worship songs um, and I always think well I'm teaching stroke performing that hasn't crossed my mind that I should be worshipping at all so how do you get into that mindset it's a really good question um, if, you can hit, if you can hit pause on that just for about five minutes yeah that's sort of somewhere near where we end up with, with what we're talking about. Okay. Excellent question. And if I forget, remind me and we'll come back to it. Um, yeah, because I'm running out of time. Already. Yeah. Spent too long talking about ourselves, I'm very sorry. Um, so, another thought to chuck at you, which I saw, I've saw, i seen start to come up on like memes on Facebook and stuff, um, so it probably is seeping into popular culture. You've probably heard it before. Um, but we really believe, and I would really encourage you, if you haven't heard this before, to go and think about what this means for you. Uh, that there's no junior Holy Spirit. Um, there's no lesser portion. There's no smaller box that comes in the post. There's no um, £5 gift card instead of £20 gift card. Our kids get given by the Holy Spirit. So I pose a question to you, or to me, to us, which is, do we expect the same power, presence and encounter to happen when our children worship. Honestly, for me, sometimes the answer has been no. I think getting the children praying with us and praying with each other, seeing them praying together, and, and some and we've seen them pray for each other at the front when there's been dedications and things like that, and the children are there at the front, seeing them lifting their hands up and praying for all, all their, their group, and I think. That expectation should be encouraged as well. The kids should be able. I will often say, if there's a child by me, if I'm praying for somebody, can I pray? Can I pray for mummy? Yeah. We've had children um, interpret pictures wow. in front of the church for adults. <laughs> so something our um, uh, our lead pastors John and Jude do, particularly John actually. Um, at the end of our time of worship as, as a whole family there's some notices and at the end of those notices uh, our kids go out to bring our kids to their groups and, and what John will do is he'll, he'll call all the kids to the front just get them to sit down and sometimes it's like what's your favourite food it's literally like it's not a deep spiritual question these guys will tell you so like, oh, what, Christmas is coming what, what are you most looking forward to it's just involving it's giving kids a voice within our community and within our family but there was this time uh, it might have been Jacob that she'd say this. Oh no, it was me. Oh no, it was you. I'll say it. Um, 
there was this time where, where these kids, our kids were sat down in front, uh, maybe 15, 20 of them, um, and we, we'd had a really special time of worship, actually. Um, and, uh, uh, Joni and I had been leading, actually, and then... And I could send, I felt like there was unfinished business. When we got to the end of the set, and it was this really sweet spot, but it felt like we hadn't got there. It felt like we hadn't finished yet. Uh, but we put down our guitars and whatever, and John called the kids to the front. And he, he just, his question from that week was, tell us something about God. Oh, just, what you love about God. Just tell us something that you love about God. And there were, there were loads of precious answers, but as the kids were giving answers, like you could feel in the room the Holy Spirit, like, if you can... It's a really horrible picture to use, really, but like a, I guess a thermometer, like you could feel the temperature rising, you could feel it, and it was like, uh, it was like that verse that we read, read earlier, right? Um, do you hear what these children are saying? From the lips of children and infants, you've called forth your praise. Mm-hmm. And it got to this kid, Zach, um, and, and he, he just said, God knows all of our names. And like half the church started crying, it was like, Incredible. oh, like God, you know my name. You give me a name, you call me something different to Joff, but like, you know who I am. And it came out of this five-year-old's mouth, it was so precious. And suddenly, suddenly it was like this ministry time was happening, and he was just sat there like... <laughs> 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 I, don't know, I don't know what just happened, I, I just love it, he knows what I'm saying. And it's... Um, Their expectation as well on the Sunday morning, and John hasn't said quite what they were wanting. If they wanted more, they would just sit there and wait until they hear something but the point of sharing that is it's like give your kids a place at the table give them a voice in your community and, and, and I appreciate someone said this um, earlier uh, uh, it's lady down here she said about the whole kids work kids ministry thing and she's like oh, we're, still, we're still working on that we're trying to get our pastors to, to, to get on board with that and I appreciate that um, we're, we're in a position where we're responsible for leading the church as well as um, heading up, or Jodie heading up the our kids' ministry, and I know some of you aren't in that position. So, um, what I'd love to pray right at the end is just for those of you that have that frustration and that struggle, that um, God would bring a fresh gift of grace for your for your church communities and for your relationships with uh, the people who make decisions in your church. If that isn't you, um, and that as God is starting to do this, yeah, come on, come on, God, I'm doing something that that the people in your church who are responsible for making decisions would also feel that same call from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's just wrap up a couple more things and then, and then our time's up. Uh, a child's experience of God is as important as their knowledge of him for their spiritual development. So create spaces where your kids can experience his presence as well as learn about him. Both are important, but if you only give them the, the Sunday school stories they'll get to 12 and they'll go hang out with their mates on a Sunday. Um, they need to capture what it means to know and be known by God mm-hmm. and to experience his presence. Mm-hmm. So value their experience of God as highly as their knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of stuff we're going to skip, I think. Yeah, I think we should Let me just really quickly say one more thing. Um, around some of the more pra- practical things. So uh, this somewhat comes back to your question, which is that um, going back to that not wanting to give our kids the crumbs from the table, we've given the quality, we've started to give the amount and quality. Actually, our kids get trained more in worship than our adults do, but we've started giving them the same, if not more, training and the same, if not better, quality training around worship 
um, than our adults get in our, in our community. Um, and what that has looked like for us mechanically is me and Sue lead, lead many our kids once a month and we've kind of taken on the role of being worship trainers essentially. So we did a couple of weeks on tools and language. What does it mean when someone's doing that? What have you seen in church that freaks you out? What does, what, why someone stood looking like someone's about to give them something but no one's giving them anything? Uh, why is that person crying? Why is that person lying down? That guy's hand was shaking. What's all that about? Um, just starting to give them some hooks, some, some, some I don't even know what you call it, practical observation and theory and, and training, I guess. And, um, and then you reinforce that. So great, so we're worshipping together. You know, do some of you want to give something back to Jesus? Do you want to get, or do you want to give him praise? Right, okay, so when you give someone something, you give them something. You want, you want something from Jesus, right? Well, you can't, you can't hold a present without putting your hands out. So put your hands out and then ask God to give you that thing you're asking for. So it's just really practical, simple, almost myth-busting. It's taking the mysticism out of it and just saying, what would you do if, like, if we wanted to exchange, what would we do? Right. Well, let's think of the way that we can do that with God, um, rather than this kind of mystical dream of painting a picture they can't quite grasp, you know. Um, and, and starting, we haven't quite got as far down the road with this as I'd like yet, but starting to communicate our values to them as well, what it means to be in the vineyard as a, as a kid. So if we value certain things in the vineyard, how does that look for them? Um, that's that's kind of something we've been we've been looking at. Hey, um, we, so can, we can talk about it for another hour. Just to finish, just to finish, I was saying earlier that we we've been doing this, and there hasn't really been much obvious fruit. It's just been a means within an end, sort of in and of its own thing. Um, that's not entirely true, because um, what is been beautifully surprising for us um, is that things have started springing up within uh, the kids' community in our church. So there's one family, um, we have five kids, and we had a few weeks off, whatever, break, Christmas break or whatever it was, and they came back and said, oh, we've written an album. It was like, what? And they had the artwork, they had like the copyright things, they, they had written an album plus more songs and this was just at the time that Jodie had been really feeling like she wanted to invest in songwriting with our children because uh, yeah, another, another little girl had started writing her own songs to Jesus uh, who's homeschooled sort of and so Jodie was going into her, her yeah. homeschooling environment and, and doing some co-writing with her teaching her how to write songs and, and this thing just started to gather momentum completely organically, not planned not strategised um, and we, we submitted what was it, nine? nine songs for the great, the recent Great Big God submission thing that they opened and I think six of them were written by our children not our children but our church's children um, we didn't plan for that we, we, we didn't, like, how, are we, how are we going to strategise to get that end result yeah. no it, it was so incredible because also just the, <laughs> I always guess as a songwriter what children are going to want to sing and then put that into words and hearing what they want to sing is very different to what I think they want to sing and um, and so so yeah, like the first one, this, this little girl had written and brought, um, and it was called "You Have Heard Me," and it was this celebration song. It's like "You have heard me, you've heard me, yes, Lord, you love me, and you've heard me." 
And it's like, oh, okay. I thought it was obvious that he's heard me. That's the starting point for me. But th- this was a song of delight that you've heard, my friends. And then um, another one we... So then after that, there were a few other kids interested. So we did a little, like, session, songwriting session with them. And um, just at our house. And we went into two separate teams. He was working on some songs that we started. And I was with a group. We said, we just write one now. All right, we'll just write one now. Um, what do you guys want to write a song about? And they were like, well... I just totally sort of let them have free reign. They said, oh, well, it's really sad because loads of our friends, they just don't they just don't even know that God's real. And I just want them to know that God is real. So they wrote this song called God is Real. <laughs> and it was just like, let the world see, let the world know that God is real, of course. And um, when we all, we all got back together in this little group, like 10 kids, so we all sang it, and they were like, they were like really worshipping to it. That to them, it was just like, let the world see that God is real. And I was like, this is so basic that I never would be singing, God is real. <laughs> but to them, they were like, yes, because, you know, they, they go to school with kids they don't know it's real. And um, so it was just found it so exciting, but it just feels like God's starting something and we're trying to chase after it and keep up with it. And um, that's why I'd just be really interested to hear if anyone else has stories or, you know, if this is happening all across the country, or I don't know if anyone has. But just in terms of honouring your guys' time, we're overdue already. Um, sorry, sorry, we've overrun already. Uh, I want to ask you guys a couple of questions and then finish by praying. But if any of you need to leave for anything, go have a nap, or you've got to meet someone for coffee or something, crack on. Um, but the couple of questions I just wanted to leave with you guys for you to write down and take away with you, maybe, and consider. Um, I guess they're just practical, uh, nice, sorry. <laughs> Shush, sorry. Yeah, that's the song, that's a great song. Um, these are kind of activity questions, so they're, they're things that will go away and activate things within you. So the first is, what do you believe God has in store for your whole worship community? Thanks, man. So what do you believe God has in store for your whole worship community? second one, is that okay? Uh, and the second one is, how might you actively include children in fulfilling that vision? How might you actively include children in fulfilling that vision? Um, So, um, we're going to stick around for a bit afterwards if people have questions. We were planning to do a bit of a Q&A at the end, but I think we uh, said too much at the beginning, so sorry about that. Um, but we'll stick around. If you want to come chat or ask questions or talk more, great. Um, I'm just going to pray again. Uh, and it's been lovely spending time with you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I hope it's been helpful. Um, Sorry, there were no gummy bears. I know. We <laughs> 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 the natural gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to bless you guys so Father God would you um, in your kindness and in your goodness would you come and give these guys like multiple portions of what you've started giving to us um, would you come and bless their, their churches with 
um, children of all ages, all colours, all backgrounds? Uh, would you give them the wisdom and the bravery and the knowledge to know how to minister to those children? Would you give them a desire to, to have a relationship with these children? Would you give them a heart to want to know children closely and to treat, uh, treat those children how you treat us with affection and acceptance and affirmation uh, and wisdom? So I bless, I bless every heart in this room. Thank you guys for what you do. Thank you for the hard graft. Thank you for um, the tears you've cried and um, and the late nights and uh, and the tough the tough behaviour and uh, all that stuff. Just bless you. Just hear God's affection. Here is here is uh, His pleasure over you. break off discouragement um, and frustration and bitterness, you know, where things haven't gone right or where, where kids haven't ended up the way we wanted them to end up or have left the church or have become disillusioned or whatever, projects we have passion for that flopped or whatever it is, just come down and I see like, I see weights sat on some of your shoulders and I, just, I see the Holy Spirit just then um, walking around just lifting them off, like not this, but like slipping off weights right now. Let's come, Holy Spirit. Um, kids' ministries like can so easily feel sometimes like um, unseen and undervalued or, or whatever. But I kind of feel like um, to encourage you that actually it kind of doesn't matter that everyone gets it. Because God gets it, and then Jesus said, "When you welcome any little one, you're welcoming me." And you know that's enough. Everyone isn't always going to get it. Um, yeah, but God gets it, so that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> and just real quickly, God, we just we pray for um, pray for a fresh and significant move of your spirit in our movement amongst children. Would you give us the pleasure of our children leading people to, to faith? Yeah. Would you give us the, um, <laughs> the pleasure of standing back and letting them do the work for a bit? Um, would you give us the, the gift that is the position of humility when people younger than us teach us things? make us soft God and humble and, um, we pray for our, our towns and for our nations to be changed by the children that we um, have a relationship with and that we pass them I'd, I'd love for us to be the, known as the movement that has kids on the front line just like Jamie's picture I just have a sense that God is um, dropping favour on some of you. Um, something that's really difficult with kids is getting them to engage with you. Uh, and sometimes that's because they're young and, and you're not young, or uh, they're a girl and you're a guy, or whatever. You know, there's lots of different reasons why. But um, I just see God like dropping favour on, on uh, one of you around the room. Uh, that you're going to go back and where relationships were previously difficult to forge. 
um, and consolidate. It's like there's a new favour, there's a new ability for you guys to uh, to go make make little fishes and fisher fishermen and fisherwomen of of, uh, of men. So um, yeah, thank you for your goodness to us, God. Thank you for what you're sharing in us, and we pray for more. We look forward to the excitement to what, what you're going to carry on doing with the, the communities represented in this room and, and all the ones uh, that aren't as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.